You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. The Podcast of Terror is a show with adult themes, run by adults, for adults. Please do not have your children listen to this show. It might be beneficial to them in the long run, but please, please wait until they are older. This is one of those things. It's like when you laugh when you're playing bingo and and 069 comes up and you have a chuckle and your mom, your kitty says, uh, uh, Mommy, Mommy, why, why are you laughing at 069? And the mommy says, uh, when you're older. It's one of those kinds of things. Mommy, Mommy, can I listen to Podcast of Terror? Sure. When you're older. This is a show with adult themes and some childish behavior. A lot of dick jokes. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, if you want to avoid the swearing, if you want to avoid spoilers for your favorite horror movies, and if you want to avoid really, really lame, petty dick jokes, do not listen to this show. It is not for you. Corey, how often do you wear a shirt? Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it's always nice to cover up your nipples, and maybe your neighbors are complaining because they're hairy. I know you they, like they, wear, you wear shirts when it, we do these shows. That's about it, from what I understand. It's more that I just give off a glare that blinds drivers by. It is hot in California, so I assume that you sweat. There's a there's a slight sheen to you, and the California sun just. Pshh, I don't even sheen. I estevez. <laughs> that that is, if you do not want to estevez in public, we have two places in which you can go. We got two coupon codes to make your life a little cheaper. Uh, you can go visit a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Matt Vincent. His his website thehate.com. That's the hviii.com use the coupon code hbg15 for 50 percent off your order maybe you hate him i don't know he's he's kind of a likable guy but if you hate him and you want to go spend your money somewhere else we got this other place go to statusfearmerch.com uh, another uh, sponsor of the show friend of the show he does all our artwork he's a really nice guy he does all the, the art for my band except for the stuff that Corey's wife draws head over to statusfearmerch.com use the coupon code terror get you a little nice discount there Welcome to episode 117 of the Podcast Era production of the Galactic Network. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey Scott. He's being really nice to me. I didn't come up with a mean name for him this time. You'll work on it. Yeah, I'll I believe in you. Out. <laughs> Fucking prick. Uh, our guest this week, <laughs> I totally forgot to clarify how to say his last name, so I'm just going to hope that I don't fuck it up. But he is the writer and director of the movie that we're going to be talking about this week, The Incantation, Jude Wako. Yeah, it's pretty good. Walco, yeah. Well, okay. I'm like, well, you, I didn't know if you'd say the L. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. You've been, you've been so difficult to work with, so I didn't want to I fuck know. up your name. <laughs> Damn it. You know those Hollywood types. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Jude is uh, coming to us from Bangkok again. Two weeks ago, we had Russell. So it's it's 9 a.m. Monday morning. At yeah. least you are not hungover. Russell was well, super hungover true. and wouldn't drink with me. <laughs> so you're well, drinking. The only, my, my only disclaimer is if you hear children's voices, that's just the uh, Nike sweatshop in my basement. So just ignore that. Otherwise, I was going to make the here, joke. Man. You did it for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't so much the sweatshop, but, you know, that works, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so you have an extensive, an extensive list. I don't really know where to begin. Uh, I'm going to begin at one of my favorite things, which is you worked... Uh, as coordinating producer on Epic Meal Empire. Yes. And my wife and I loved that show. Oh, nice. And and she had never seen any of the, the, their YouTube stuff before that, so she came into it completely un- unknowing what it was, and she's like, what the hell are we watching? And then by the <laughs> end of the, maybe the second episode, she was just totally into it. 
Yeah, um, that was great. That was a great show. Yeah, those guys were a lot of fun, and that show was was kind of insane. But then so many yeah. people who came and passed through that show as well, because I've seen pictures on your IMDb page of you with like um, Jason Mewes and Kevin, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, yeah, they were on it, and Militia Rivers was on it, and yep. uh, tons of people like that. Yeah, it, that was a great experience. I mean, the funny thing is, I had never I'd, I'd come mostly from the feature film world at that point. Most of my career has been feature film, but. Uh, I have a good friend who works with this company called Studio 71 in L.A., and they represent you know, what they call influencers or which are like the YouTube, famous YouTube and Instagram, Facebook-type uh, uh, celebrities. And Harley Morenstein, as you know, uh, heads up Epic Meal Empire with yep. Josh Elkin and, and David Huff. And when I first met him, I had never done – I never dealt with one in this television reality sort of scripted reality television – and secondly, with YouTubers, I was used to dealing with all kinds of celebrities, but it was a different animal. And they were really standoffish in the beginning. And like they would just be buried in their phones. And that was like when I think Instagram was just coming out. So they were like all over that. Snapchat and stuff was just happening. And it was hard because I was producing the show and I was uh, first assistant directing the show. But by like the second by you know the first week of prep they just came and went as they please harley was is notoriously late he's an hour late so i used to change his i used to give him a separate call sheet with an earlier hour earlier call time <laughs> than anybody else so so he would think that he was on t he was actually an hour late but he was actually on time but uh long story short by the end of it man those guys are still some of my great friends they're super awesome they they live in canada as you know so i don't get to see them that often yeah. but we're we're still good friends and they're ridiculous harley's ridiculous and he uh, he's changed a lot. I mean, he he he's now in this whole routine where he's like super healthy and he's working out all the time. Back then, he was not in the best shape, and I literally saw him drink about three quarters of a fifth of Jack Daniels while we were shooting an episode. And uh, but he's a big guy, so he's he's yeah. probably six six four, maybe three hundred pounds. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but he's a big old dude. But still. He 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 <laughs> he's, he can party, man. But that was a it was a fun show. It was a really great show, really fun. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of fun, and and just from outside of it, they looked like great guys. But it, it was they, nice to see that transition be able to work, going from yeah. YouTube to doing an actual show, and and being entertaining in a in a way that is more compliant with a TV audience versus an online audience. That was that was really difficult for them because you know they get to they get to curse and drink alcohol and stuff and so harley is a genius let me just put that out there the man is a is a genius which is why he is where he is and as you know he's good friends with kevin smith and he's in all and all that but that's besides the point but uh, they had this rule where you can't drink alcohol on television so what harley would do is he would pour him a big old you know cup of uh, whatever he was drinking and then he would go hang on guys and the camera would be there and he'd take it off screen and he'd take a big gulp and he'd come back and his mouth would be wet and it'd be all gone and be like yeah you know so he, <laughs> he, would, he would do things like that to get around the censorship and it actually made the show a lot funnier but you knew exactly what he's doing so it's kind of like a big fuck you to the network but you know they in the end in the end it all worked out great <laughs> so Let's talk about this new movie that you have, <clears throat> or I don't know. I've seen it. I'm yeah. lucky enough to have seen it, but uh, I was trying to do some internet research on it, and it's kind of hard to come by. So yeah, 
I, I'd prefer you to talk about it because Corey and I. Sure. Normally, when we talk about movie, we ruin the shit out of it. But the past couple <laughs> weeks, we've been doing movies that aren't out, or the guest doesn't really want us to ruin them. So right. I'll let you ruin it as much as you'd like to, and then we'll, we'll take yep. your lead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Well, should I give you? I mean, there's so much sort of backstory to this movie. Should I give you a little bit of that first to get started? Absolutely. Yes, please. Okay. Cool. Okay. So a couple things you should know about me. I'm. I'm. I was born in '72. I'll be 46 this year. So that my influences are heavily you know, of that time. I'm basically the same age as the kids in Stranger Things. You know, they were ten, I would be 10 in 1982, let's say, as an example. So that's, that's the age I grew up in. Secondly, my brother is 10 years older than me, so he had a heavy, heavy influence in music and films and things that I was interested in was because he had already went through all that and I was kind of getting his secondhand information. So that's the first two things about the film. a big like hammer film fan you know if you know hammer films they starred christopher lee and peter cushing yeah. always a super hot you know topless woman and and the scenario in those <laughs> the scenario in those are always pretty much the same the the location is basically the star of the show because hammer had a castle called the hammer castle and what they would do is they would shoot that castle and they would change it for every movie and they did hundreds of movies and then what they would do is they would go in town and they would shoot whatever the B story leading up to the main plot was. So essentially the location was the, the centerpiece of the movie, and then it was always the same. You had some old, older guy who was like usually Christopher Lee who was either the lord of the castle or he was the crazy scientist or he was the whatever. He was the main patriarch of that, of that area. And then you had the damsel in distress who may or may not be in on whatever was going on there. Sometimes she was a willing participant. Sometimes she was a victim. And then you had the young, you know, uh, protagonist guy, the young handsome protagonist that got thrown into that situation uh, to he, either he was an investigator or his car broke down or whatever reason he was a fish out of water there. Right. And he had to, he got delved into this supernatural, and, and then the payoff was there was always either a creature or some cursed object or some cultism going on. So that's the scenario in almost all of these movies. So that's kind of what I grew up with. So that's, that's the basis for my uh, very early horror uh, movies. And then on top of that, I'm a huge fan of all the, like, the original Amityville, the original Exorcist, um, the... One of my favorite movies, which we can talk about later, is The Car, which is a schlocky sort of dual wheels of terror type movie. But we'll get to that later. But uh, so anyways, so that's the basis of, of, of my knowledge of horror. So then take that into modern day and my film sort of embraces all these things and makes them contemporary. And that's that's the background of the story to get us started talking about it. I'm gonna open a beer. Please do. What? Uh, what? May I ask what kind of beer you're drinking? Absolutely. So, it might quite literally be Panther Piss because it's for it's beer Lao. I've had it. It's from a third world. <laughs> yeah, there there's, you go. There's a and Thai has... restaurant in town, and uh, <laughs> it's go. run by a Laotian family, and they have all that. There you go. There you go. It's fucking good. I love it. I love it. I love beer. I love beer Lao, and I love Tiger beer. 
I and I love uh, Leo beer. They're all named after big cats for some reason, but they're like the Laotian and the Thailand beers are they're great. That's fucking awesome. I'm gonna take a stab yeah. in the dark corner. You're drinking Lipton iced tea. I am drinking Lipton iced tea, sir. God, you got a yes! sponsorship for that <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that'd be uh, great. I have a brewery from Madison Ale Asylum came up with a beer called Satisfaction Jackson, which nice. is the name of a pornography. And what? also a name of a local uh, band from the city I grew up in, Sheboygan. Apparently, Sheboygan. one of the, yeah, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So apparently, <laughs> one of the guys from the band is now working at Ale Asylum, and that's why they have this beer. We had friends over last night, and uh, there was one left. And then I got nice. this orange can that I'm kind of scared of. <laughs> what? It's that's, a mystery can. Well, it's it's called Tangerine <laughs> Haze. Okay. So we'll see we'll see I how think- that one ends up. Sounds like something Jimi Hendrix would drink. Yeah. There's a, a brewery called Abita from New Orleans that has a beer called Purple Haze. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard of Abita. I, I've shot a couple times in New Orleans. It, they used to have a great incentive down there. Tax oh, incentive. really? Really? It used to be the best in the nation before Georgia came around. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know any of these things. <laughs> producer life. Hashtag producer hey. life. <laughs> Life's cooler than mine. So how did you? So you're from you're from Georgia. How did you end up in Thailand? Other than that, it's cheap uh, as fuck. Yeah, exactly. I I am from Georgia. I I graduated University of Georgia. I spent uh, when I was this is the the very long way of telling you how I got to Thailand. When I was a junior in college at UGA, I did an exchange program to Los Angeles because I wanted to be an actor at that time. I was an actor uh, at that time. I still am an actor, as you know, but I. Ended up going to California, which is closer than to Thailand than Georgia is. Long story short, me and my buddies go over there for like uh, a week vacation to Thailand. And I will admit to this wholeheartedly, these guys, these guys were all like tatted up second time felons because I used to work in the construction business to pay my bills, right? So they don't check, do a background check. I was a dispatcher. They were truck drivers and construction guys. So I took all these felons to Thailand. I was the only straight lace guy. Right. We spent a week in we spent a week in Thailand, and uh, I broke down in front of all of them the night we had to go down go go back. And I started crying in front of all these jacked, you know, ex cons. And they're like, "You pussy, what's wrong with you?" And I was like, "Man, I love this place. I I I felt some connection. I really did. I felt some spiritual connection to this place." And I was like, "I don't want to leave, man." And then. Long story short, I just kept coming back. I would save money. I was working as a production assistant and a production coordinator, not making a lot of money. And every money, every every time I had enough money to save for a plane ticket, which back then was like only six, seven hundred bucks, and enough to to spend, which I didn't need that much, I would fly back again. And I just kept coming back and uh, met my wife. Eventually, had two kids. You know, bought a farm, bought a house, started a production company. And the rest is history. But yeah, so that's how I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> I. I Loved it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about Matt, but I did not know a lot about Thailand up until a couple weeks ago when we started basically doing these interviews and stuff and talking to people who are either living there or have been there and seeing uh, who's watching Oliver and getting to see how how beautiful it is. Yeah. It's like never once would have crossed my mind about going to Thailand. Now it's, it's one of those things of maybe this has made my bucket list. And I'm not a yeah. traveler. I'm not a person who runs around a lot, but it's yeah, very it's enticing. It's su- surprising that that a lot of people say that 
And when I first, the first time I came to Thailand, these guys, they, they did filters for the big beer companies, you know, like um, Carlsberg and stuff. And they were in Thailand. They traveled the world and they would basically get six months on and six months off. And I, it was my first time in Thailand. And I said, well, you guys can go anywhere in the world. You make a ton of money. Why, why do you always come back to Thailand? And they, they said to me, out of all the places we traveled in, all the world, Europe, Asia, wherever, we love Thailand the best. And we keep coming back. And I said, okay. And then I figured out why eventually. But it's just the culture is great. The people are great. The food is healthy. The weather's perfect. There's beaches, mountains, caves, water sports. There's culture, like whatever. You name it. It's great. Do you ever get sick of perfect weather, though? Like, I have, outside of, this is going to be a surprise to some people, besides Corey, I have a few other friends, two of which are from California, and, and anytime it snows, like, they demand that I send them a picture because it's just so fucking cool of them. And I'm like, try driving in this garbage. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I agree. The, the seasonal change is definitely, you miss that. I mean, I, I miss, luckily for me in the last like five years, I've been working in the States during the uh, October to December holidays. So I got my share of that whole uh, Halloween through Thanksgiving to Christmas thing, which is great because I, re- I really miss that more than anything living in Thailand. That It's funny the things you miss. You miss that. You miss like a good steak, a good greasy cheeseburger and a milkshake. You know, those are the things you miss. You miss American football. Stuff that you don't really pay attention to that much in the states, but when you're here, you're like, man, that's what I want. But luckily for me, I'm very blessed. I I kind of live. I get to dive into both sides of the of the uh, Pacific, so I'm. I get I got lucky that way. See, it's not terrible. Like I I don't mind winter, and then after Christmas, I'm like, this shit could stop. And like <laughs> yeah. lately, it's been like real moderate and mild, and then you know. I think the past week, last Thursday, I was supposed to go down to uh, the company I work for as an office in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was supposed to go Thursday and come back Friday. And then they got nine inches of snow and like the office opened <laughs> late and shit. So I didn't go, thankfully. Otherwise, I probably would have got stuck there till Saturday. And But Damn. shit like that drives me nuts. Like I'm uh, <laughs> supposed to go to Iowa in two weeks for a concert. And I'm like, well, I don't, if there's a big ass snowstorm, then I just, I don't go. Like you never fucking <laughs> right? know what you're going to do because it might snow. God, it's crazy. I I yeah. shot I shot a few films in Grand Rapids, Michigan during the winter. So I a couple of those winters I got dumped on by the quote unquote lake effect as they call it. Two lake effects. Yeah, I lived in <laughs> joke. I lived in Grand Rapids and my, my oh, parents yeah. moved to about an hour away from there, so I just flew into Grand Rapids Airport uh last year around this time. Um but yeah, I lived in Wyoming, Michigan technically, but uh, which is another thing I was going to bring up. You are a member of the Moose Lodge. Yeah, boy. What yep. Fuck <laughs> so what just happened. Every time I, I was a kid, we go up to visit my grandparents in Grand Rapids, and we go to the Moose Lodge all the time because they were both <laughs> Moose members. My mom's okay. a Moose member. Yeah. I'm fucking seriously. Can I give you what? guys an ex- What just happened? I need to give you guys an ex- some exclusive information right now that's going to blow your california people away about the moose lodge so i have this i got a fucking story about everything so bear with me so moose lodge one year i used to go i used to you know coordinate which basically means you get everything ready for film right it's like a mid-level before you become a producer so i used to rent the moose lodge all the time because they have great space and they're a charity so they would be like hey rent us for production space anyways 
one year it's 420. It's April 20th. And me and my friends are walking down the street and we're like, fuck, man, we need to get fucked up. It's 420. So the Moose Lodge, we hear, mu- we hear music coming from the Moose Lodge of all places. Now, everyone knows the Moose Lodge, it's like the Shriners. The average, the, the median age is probably 65, if not yep. closer to 85, right? So we, we, we're like, I don't know how old I was at the time. Maybe maybe I was 35. I don't know. I can't remember. We walk, But they're younger than me. I walk in there. Perfect Moose Lodge is a, <laughs> is a man. Musicians, like real musicians, like the guy from Blondie, ZZ Top, Rod Stewart's guys, like all these traveling musicians that are that have been doing it for thirty years, go jam on there on Mondays and Tuesdays, and Moose members are allowed to bring a guest. So, long story short, about fifteen of my friends joined the Moose Lodge for that reason, and their age median went down. <laughs> by 20 years easily <laughs> but it's still that way they still they there's a guy named steve moose that plays there and you never know which session musician not even session musician these are real they, they're the touring guys they're they're part of the band you know like the drummer or the saxophonist or the or the bassist or whatever will just show up unannounced and they all jam together and it's it's phenomenal phenomenal it's crazy yeah I have to I have to do something for Matt because he's uh, twenty years younger than us. Uh, Matt in the eighties, <laughs> that uh, much younger. Everybody, all rock bands had saxophonists. Uh, it was it was just one of those realities of music back then. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Not, not everybody. <laughs> not everybody. Um, and the great the great thing is you can find a moose lodge in smaller communities. It's communities. It's like the center of of life social life there's fucking one in green bay there's one in kakana which is a suburb of appleton they're all over the goddamn place they're all over the goddamn place you gotta goddamn join because it's like two dollar beers and they have potlucks and whatever you can pick up on uh 55 year old women if you like but then i have to leave my house i gotta put pants on (laughs) that is a problem (laughs) they come and pick my grandfather up now and take him to the moose lodge and then just (laughs) let him drink and and grandpa's brain is going so they just know he's just gonna sit there and 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 hover around beer or hover around boobs and then he's they just send him home when they need to send him home they they call my uncle and like hey uh we we think your dad's ready to go home all right send him See, you know they they figured out a, a cheaper way of uh elderly health care services right there boom there's yeah. your answer yeah. done oh, that's funny um, so before we get Amazing. off topic again, let's talk about the incantation yes. a bit. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> so my right, my so, first question yeah. is, how did you land yeah. Dean Kane? Fucking sweet. Okay, met him at the moose. That would have been a great tie-in, wouldn't it? Uh, I could probably get Dean to meet me at the moose nowadays. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, well, I did a movie with Dean in Austin, Texas. I can't remember because I did two back-to-back. It was either called Beatdown or Circle of Pain. And Dean played a guy in a wheelchair, uh, you know, a paraplegic. So I was co-producing that, I believe. They, they, after you do over 100 films, they all kind of titles bleed together. But I was <laughs> in that capacity. <laughs> and uh, that was a dick thing to say, but it sounded good coming out. Yeah. So... Uh, so Dean says, you know, I really got to get to Europe for this next job. It's super important. 
and his agent calls me and his manager and the executive producer of the film was, was based out of Canada. She wasn't there. So I was basically for all intents and purposes running the ship. So Dean comes to me and he says, Hey man, is there any way you can shoot me out? Cause I got this big job coming up and it made a lot to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck. So essentially I did, I asked the crew, I gave the crew the courtesy. I was like, Hey man, he needs to get out. Would you mind my guys mind working overtime for a couple of days? Uh, of course I'll pay you and blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be a rough couple of three days. And they all agreed. So we did it and we shot him out and Dean was super grateful. So cut to 10 years later, I lost all contact with Dean. They come and go. He's a celebrity. I'm not. And I'm, I'm writing this story and the more and more I think about it, I'm like, fuck man, Dean's perfect for this role. He's the, he's the, he's the person I envision in my mind for this role, right? So or Johns, who's an associate producer on, on The Incantation, who has worked with me on several films, it ha- had worked with Dean recently. And I was like, hey, man, you mind just giving me his contact again? He probably doesn't remember me, blah, blah, blah. So I reached out to him after lots of negotiation, only because he's such a busy guy. Like this week he flew from L.A. to uh, Europe, and then he's going back to L.A., and then he's going back to Ireland as an example. And he just didn't know if he had the, the time because of travel and, and prior commitments. But he did it, and I'm super grateful because I can honestly say without him, my, my film would probably be one of the independents that would sit on the shelf for a long time and people wouldn't hear of or a very small circle would hear of. But thanks to him in it, it's really helped, helped promote it a lot more exponentially, and he knows that, and I'm super grateful, and that's how I got him. And he, he's just a nice guy. He's one of the nicest fucking guys. I tell you, him and Matthew McConaughey, of the people, all the celebrities I work with are the top two nicest people in Hollywood, hmm. in my experience. May just start. That was awesome here. And Well, he was fucking Superman, so he better be yeah. nice, because that's, that's something to live up to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, the, the movie with Circle of Pain also had Kimbo ah. Slice in it. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. A, a ta- it was presented by Tap Out. Mm. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about these now. <laughs> so Please. I used to do these films for, for Lionsgate, Gr- Grindstone and Lionsgate. Grindstone is a uh, company related to Lionsgate. So essentially we called them fuck, fuck fight movies because they had a, because they, <laughs> because they had a, uh, um, what we do is that we, every 17 minutes, I believe it was, I swear to God, this is, they, this was their thing. Every 17 minutes, you either had to show some sort of violence, even if it was a scuffle or whatever, or some sexual thing. Mm-hmm. So it was fuck, fuck, fight. So you had to have topless women and wet t-shirt contacts. What they would do is they would take a B or C star. Like we had, we used Rudy Youngblood, for example, in one, after, you know, like 10 years after he did Apocalypto or eight years or whatever. So he was, he was known, but you didn't really know him. And then we used one up-and-coming guy. We used Eric Balfour, for example. At the time, no one had heard of him, really. He was sort of in the middle. And then one known, at least one known fighter, which we used Heath Herring and Kimbo Slice. And then you sprinkle it with a couple of up-and-coming UFC guys, and that was the scenario. Top Out sponsored it, and it was basically just, you know, shittiest scripts ever. Like, didn't matter. And the studio didn't care. Sometimes they admittedly wouldn't even read the script. It just said as long as there's tits and ass and there's blood and there's at least there's at least there's at least two Rocky style fight scenes, you know, we're good. And that we fucking shot a ton of them. 
and and some we did back to back to back so we'd shoot three in a row we'd move the crew over we'd just change the actors out shoot in the same city use some of the same locations use some of the same props it was ridiculous so i did that i did that for a few years so um, it, it appears pain. it appears beat down is pretty much the same yeah. thing so i now understand why you didn't know one from the <laughs> other makes more sense now oh god yeah, we shot them together. We shot them together back to back. We had a week off, I think. Well, the crew had a week off. I didn't have any time off. But yeah, <laughs> that's how we did them, man. And man, then, when I was a kid, I remember every Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Steven Seagal movie that we all watch. No Retreat, No Surrender, uh, any of the fucking kickboxer films. That's that's the shit that we ate up as teenagers. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, that yeah was, I love those. You didn't need... A story you just needed to see exactly what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, that was it that was it so i don't know who came up with the term fuck fuck fight but we've we've used it ever since it's part it's pretty much probably like part of the industry lexicon by now <laughs> fuck fuck fight <laughs> or maybe it was fight fight fuck <laughs> or fight fuck fight <laughs> which was cheaper to film <laughs> that's the question yeah oh definitely the fight's cheaper to film because you know, the ladies uh, are, they want extra for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's that's the thing, too, is that uh, every uh, fighting competition movie has a fighting montage of, like, all these different fight scenes that all bled in together. You never see a fucking yes. montage. And, and that, <laughs> yes. well, I guess that's you do it in porn. But, but porn is just completely one fucking but, montage. But we need mainstream fucking montage. I, mean, I gotta yeah. add that in my next film. I'm gonna credit you for that. That's awesome. Can your next movie just be a montage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love that. I think it's much better in uh, thought than practice, so maybe don't do that. <laughs> Man, this loud beer must be stronger than I thought, because that sounded like a good idea right now. Oh, it's I, I, okay. I'm not saying it doesn't sound like a good idea. I just want you to be like, let's sleep on this. I don't want you to wake up tomorrow and be like... We're making this fucking montage, and then when it flops, you come looking for us. Yeah, Goddamn internet assholes told me to make a 90-minute montage. Well, when you have a flop and a fucking montage, that's when the music just stops like a record. <laughs> yeah. Right, totally. You need a better fluffer on set, then, if you, uh, if you go soft during that's the right. montage. Uh, yes. On-set fluffer. Oh, Good God. Title. <laughs> all right so all right let's re reel it back in maybe <laughs> <laughs> matt's just embarrassed because uh, he's been an offset fluffer for so long and he just he just keeps waiting yeah. for that that step up yeah just i know just waiting for the call well, then, the you're, then you're a second second fluffer second fluffer first fluffer and then uh fluffer department head after that i actually exactly. just fluff which the is fluffer. title i fluff the fluffer's fluffer <laughs> yeah. he refers to himself as a fluffer but he's really a waiter we know yeah I'm just, I'm just working my <laughs> right. way through medical school through yeah and by that he means all the students at a medical school he's just <laughs> working his way through them I just have a, a like a school yeah. roster and just blowing them one at a time just yeah <laughs> almost into the s's John? guys Johnny Kapitsky, you're up. Yeah, yeah. Whip it out. <laughs> no, you missed her. That dick's not going to suck itself, Johnny. <laughs> nice thing about the medical Come school on. is that it's also filled with cadavers, so you can always like get in the dry season. I, I have standards. I don't <laughs> yeah. blow the dead. 
<laughs> Blow the Dead sounds like another great movie idea. That sounds like a terrific movie. <laughs> or a black it metal does. band. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, okay. They're always or a beer, scared. apparently, because the three all cross over now. <laughs> yeah, right. You just sound very exactly. jealous, Corey. Sorry that they don't make <laughs> black metal Lipton iced tea. It, it's black tea. It's black. They should. How black though? Is it like right? black as your soul? Black as a rotting corpse? I, I figure <laughs> that there is some granulated rotted corpse in there. All right. All right. Nice. That's what gives it the flavor. Yeah. If you use more than five tea bags, it tastes like grandma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. So moment of silence. The incantation. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start talking about dead grandma again. Um, she's not cremated. She's brewed. Yes. She's steeped. 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 Yes. <laughs> Jesus. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to stop this anymore. <laughs> so well, we'll get back into grandma, but I want to make sure that we, we, we talk about wow. your movie. For oh, well, I'll so, back into grandma. All right. <laughs> Um, have you, it's okay, so have you seen Dumb and Dumber 2? Yes. Uh, what, I don't know if I saw the second one. I saw the first one for fisting sure. fisting the old lady, and he's like, oh, no, it's like a I turkey. Just, what the fuck is he trying to find? And he, he's, he's essentially fisting this old lady, and she just nice. at one point goes, it's just past the giblets. Oh, man. And then he pulls his arm out, and it's just dust. Oh, it's just a pile of dust. That's great. So when you talk about grandma, it looks like he's been putting up drywall all day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that's fucking great. Okay. Yeah. Your movie film. Um, yes. What I, I guess what what is your uh, synopsis of it? Okay. So back to that idea of the hammer film. I took some of those elements and, and I made a story out of it. But the first thing you should know is sort of how this happened. The happenstance of this is that I shot a movie called Siren in Savannah, Georgia, which is David Bruckner is part of it. And uh, Greg Bishop directed it. And we had a, we had a great time. It was a hard shoot. It was a, it, we didn't have a, a lot of money for what we needed to do. So it was a difficult shoot, but it was fun. And I'm from Georgia, blah, blah, blah. So while I'm down there, I, I meet these people called the Sullivans, and their son wants to intern in the art department. So I talk to the parents, and I say, hey, this is a, a slippery slope because of there's a, there was a whole Black Swan case where they sued 20th Century Fox because of they were doing work of an of employee rather than an intern. So it's, it, it's a thing that we don't like to do often, but if people really want to do it, we love it, but... There's a fine line between internship and slave labor, so you got to be careful about it. So anyways, we did it, and the mom, Julie, came in. The, the, the son's name was Connor. He's in college now, he was, but he was just in high school, and uh, the mother came in and interviewed, and uh, she said, do you need anything else for your film? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for a location. And she said, oh, well, I have a couple of houses down here. And I said, cool. So we shot in her house, and we went to shoot in one of her houses, and there were pictures of the castle everywhere. And I said, why do you have a picture of a castle in your house? And she's like, oh, that's just that's one of the castles we have. And I'm like, what? say that again? That's just one of the castles we own. And I said, you own a castle? And that's just one of the castles you own? <laughs> so the, the more I get to know them, it turns out they have royal lineage uh, from Irish ancestry. And, and the 
the uh, husband's name is Gary Solomon, and he's uh, he's a count. And indeed, they own castles and homes and et cetera, et cetera. So I get to know them more over the course of that film. And, and I really be, they're really great people, and, and I just become friends with them. So at one point, I just say, God, I would love to just shoot in your castle. I'm just going to say it. I, would, I, want, I want to shoot a film in your castle. And they're like, okay, no problem. Let us know when. So I started uh, – first thing I started with is I asked for pictures of the castle. They sent me about – a thousand, and I'm not exaggerating. A thousand pictures that they had taken. They had they had a whole database they had kept over the years, and they sent me a thousand pictures of the castle. So I start writing the script based on just the pictures. I've never seen the castle in person. I've never even, I think I'd been to France once that time, but definitely not that part of France. And uh, start writing the script, and the and I, I like to I like to call it the film gods. The film gods looked down upon us, and so many things that were lucky and perfect timing happened on, to make this film happen. It, it's as, as people know, it's really hard to make an independent film because you don't have the studio behind you. You don't have the financing behind you. It was self-financed between my partner, Dan Campbell, my producing partner in Blue Falcon, Dan Campbell, and myself, as well as some other people put in um, in-kind deals, we call. So like, for example, C21 Music Effects. They offered their music services, music editing, and composition. We got all the songs for <clears throat> practically nothing. Some were really good songs. Our friends at Mutiny FX gave us a severely discounted rates for VFX and editing and post-production, et cetera. And it, would, it would take an hour just to name all the people that, that helped us out. But the point is I had a, a castle at my disposal, which is an amazing thing in and of itself. So I wrote the script. Um, there's a song that plays heavily. It's in the trailer, and it plays throughout the movie. It's called Blood Red Roses by C21. When I, was, when I was conceptualizing the script, I was on YouTube, and when I write, I like to listen to music, you know, whether it be orchestral or Danny Elfman. I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, so Danny Elfman, of course, and blah, blah, blah. So I just type in epic songs, and I hear this Blood Red Roses song, which they had written for a video game, and it died a slow death at that point. So, but they owned the rights to it because it was an original piece. So I had Dan Campbell, my, my uh, partner, reach out to him, and I said, hey, just ask him if it's available, what the deal is. Long story short, Rose theme, because it's called Blood Red Roses, our character in our movie is called Lucy Bella Rose. Blood red and rose imagery throughout the film, and it all kind of together. Um, Some Savannah, Georgia, and I started writing a script around it. That's how it, that's how it began. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, for when writing, I've put on, like, created some Pandora station or something. It's all uh, epic soundtrack music or something, usually without yeah. lyrics, but yeah, that is a pretty, you know, kind of like soul pulling song. And oh, and it's it's surprising because it it is very well placed in this movie that I thought it might have been original to the movie because it just seemed like it was the stuff was so well built around it and and I yeah. I've had comics and stuff that I've done where I have like I listen to a, a band or a a CD over and over again and it kind of becomes like the the mm-hmm. unofficial soundtrack for whatever it is that I'm doing um, absolutely. 
I also wanted to mention that I was really appreciative when I heard the Dead South playing because I just recently yes. found them and was getting into them. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this song. I even told Matt in our chat. But, yeah, that is that is a big thing is that I don't know if people realize how much music can help build a setting in your head, even when you yeah. don't have a setting. But having that castle is amazing. Oh, God, it was it was so great. And uh about, about while we're on the dead south they're great too because that song came out and um it was blowing up all over the internet at that time and again i re i reached out to him dan reached out to him and and we said hey we got this independent film we'd love to have it and at that time they were they were on tour in europe and they were like i don't know you know we're so busy and we're getting offers out the ass because this song really was blowing up you know it had like a million views overnight etc and uh but again they eventually said, yeah, you know what? That'd be great. You guys put it in your film. And, and it really, to have something that highly produced on an independent film really makes it great because otherwise it's your, otherwise it's your friend, you know, on a guitar singing like a howling dog and it just doesn't sound the same. But, but uh, when you got highly produced songs that actually fit uh, your genre, and your your story it's amazing so that's what happened we got lucky on on those and then aaron alvey by the way the aaron alvey she also sings a song for the uh for the film as well as a good friend of mine too 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 so the music it can't be ever underestimated in a film for sure yeah absolutely you said friends of yours two 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 yeah, two two two. That's uh, Jade Howard and uh, Dennis Hamlin. They have a band, um, and they're also in the film industry. They do sound mixing for the industry. There is such a weird connection between me and that number two two two, and then it just keeps coming up more and more. There was a a movie I think called two 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 just recently, and a bunch of other stuff. But it's like everything about it is just like always had a bizarre effect in my life. Anytime I like look at a clock and it's two two two, and it's just constantly nice. Um, and then all these, I guess there's like this whole thing behind it. Like if you look it up and stuff, it's it's one of those bizarre numbers that just brings a lot of uh, mysticism to it or something. Nice. Well, but now I have to check out their band. You got to check them out. They're great. Two 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 reversed is five 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 in Thailand. The word for five is ha. So when Thais write on ha 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 on on text, they write five five five. Just so you know, it's an inverted two two two. <laughs> so there's that too. That is awesome. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> too, too tired for the shit. It lands upside down on the world from where you're at. So two, two, two upside down would be ha 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 because we're on the other side yeah. of the world. So take that. Boom. <sighs> I gotta go to bed. <laughs> you just got math, buddy. <laughs> you just got math and geography. And <laughs> what is that? You know right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is assuming the earth is not flat thanks for that yeah no you know are we asses. really gonna get into a flat earth conversation right now no 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 never mind <laughs> what is the conversation it's not it, it really is it's not there done skip it <laughs> done thanks elon musk yeah uh yeah, i saw i saw flat earth is like elon musk is full of shit there's no way that happened i saw right. people complaining about the uh spacex launching a car into space and they're like guys oh, yeah. just wasting money and everyone's like actually what he did was make it 
like far cheaper for us to advance technology space yeah. space travel yeah and colonization yeah. yeah he made and the human race. everything much easier and, and that's all that man does like i, I was just looking at the uh, solar tiles because nice. so i wanted him in our old house but yeah. our old house was surrounded by trees and now we moved out in basically into a field so it's like i can mm-hmm. get solar tiles um when we re-shingle the roof of the house and i don't have to worry about electricity anymore <laughs> and it's like a fraction of the cost of yeah, if you just if you just solar panels, so the the shingles versus panels is a fraction of the cost once you have them all installed. And God, I fucking I would kiss that man if I could. And they're long living roof, and yeah, you get one of those batteries and stuff, so it's not just that you're leasing energy back, but you can also hold on to it and retain it for when you need it in those days when you don't have sun. It oh winter. yeah exactly right exactly. Well, I mean, I live in I live in California, Matt. I don't know what you mean by that. Oh, yeah. So, what about second winter? Yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar with the state of Wisconsin, basically from uh, the middle of December until March, it looks like a wet sheet of paper outside. God, yeah, it's insane, man. Yeah, about the same smell. I have to take vitamin D all winter. There's there's at take- least three dick jokes there, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, we're just back to the fluffing again. <laughs> Vitamin D all winter, uh, yep. nonstop. Yep. Never get too much winter D. <laughs> yep. I don't even know what to talk to you about anymore because it's just going to go back to dick jokes. <laughs> so uh, where yeah, did you find uh, Sam Valentine for the role of Lucy in this? Sam Valentine. So I have this great friend named Valerie McCaffrey. She's one of the biggest casting agents in the industry. She uh, used to be head of casting, I believe, at Universal. She did American History X. She cast the pig movie Babe and a litany of movies. She probably has closer to 150 to 200 credits to her name. Anyway, she, she's a good friend of mine. I've, I've known her for uh, going on 10 or 15 years. And so I reached out to her because I needed cast. And she does it for a living professionally, and I didn't want to skimp on the cast because that's a, that's a quick way to, to sink your battleship. So she sent me about four up-and-coming actresses who would be willing to do an independent you know, film at a reduced rate in exchange for uh, some, you know, some payment and then some deferred and some points and et cetera, kind of deals we make on lower budget stuff. But not, not every actress wants to do that. But uh, we auditioned about... I want to say four or five that she had already selected. So it already had gone through her process and Sam really stuck out. And, um, I was nervous about it at first because the, the, the woman who's also the, the singer, Aaron Alvey also auditioned and her parents own the castle. So I didn't want to offend them and say, I'm not hiring your daughter, blah, blah, blah. But they, they were totally understand. They said, do what's best for the film. Whoever you feel is the role, don't, don't worry about that, all that kind of stuff. So Sam, Sam nailed her audition, and she was willing to fly to France with complete strangers, which I thought was, was great. I mean, it was great that Valerie and I had a longstanding relationship, or else I don't think that would have happened. Because if I was a woman, I certainly wouldn't fly to another country with some creepy dude like this, you know, and, and to spend <laughs> six weeks in a castle, you know, that just sounds like a way to end up dead or something or dismembered. So, but uh, she did it and, and she killed it. And it was, uh, it was great because um, I just want to say too, that it was a great growing process on her side and my side, because 
I've got over 20 years in the business, 25 depends on how, you know, where you say I officially started, but I have a long time in the business. And I honestly say to you that everything I've done, that all those movies, I learned something on every movie has got me to the point where I can finally say that I can call myself a director. And a lot of people think, oh, you could pick up a camera and be a DP. You could just direct. Anybody can direct. And that is true. You can, but that doesn't mean you can do it you can do it well. And I honestly think that all the, all the time that I've spent in the industry, each thing has taught me something to get me where I am now to make it better. So when people say, oh, I can direct that. It's so easy. Anybody can be a director. <clears throat> I, I disagree with that in that, yeah, it can make you a shitty director. And, and even me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm officially a first-time director, even though I've already directed stuff unofficially several times. But this is my directorial debut, um, and it was a learning experience and each one is a learning experience and my second film will be better than my first and my third better than my second, et cetera. That's just, it's a craft like anything else. And the more you do it, the more you can, but to say to me that, um, the 20 years I put in the business hasn't led up to the expertise, the experience and everything I needed to get to this level would be incorrect. And, and so I say to film students and people who want to be Spielberg and Michael Bay and all these people, Quentin Tarantino. Hey man, learn your craft, you know, do a bunch of short films, work on a bunch of bigger films, learn from people that have been in the business longer than you, because it, it's not a waste and, and you don't have to be an overnight success. You're, you're learning to do something that if, if you really want to do it, you should treat it like anything else, like flying a 747. You got to start on the Cessna. So you got to start on the glider. You got to start in the simulator first, you know? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and I don't know that I've ever in my life thought that directing would be easy. Uh, to me, it seems incredibly hard and intimidating. But I do understand that you can spend your whole life doing something, but not feeling like you've actually achieved what you consider to be the, like, I can call myself this now until one particular thing. It's like working up to something. Every every step is important. Everything is a learning experience and all that is something that goes under your belt that you can take with you. But I, I do get that there's that one thing of like, okay, now I feel like I've, I've done it. And it's not like I've done it and I'm done and I'm great, but it's just that now I feel like I've earned this title. Absolutely, 100%. And I felt that way for the longest time producing too because I've produced, i produced a lot of movies. But I was so shy about calling myself a producer because there were people with so much experience level above me and I was just like I can't even I'm, I'm not in the same realm of those people I can't do that and eventually after years of producing I said okay now I can call myself a producer but I don't take that lightly I don't take titles lightly and the same with this film as director writer director I even even then I was like yeah but then I started getting some accolades and people professionals in the industry and I got into this big film festival the Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival. It was nominated for their People's Choice Awards, which is only five films out of, let's say, 2,000 entries, 200 in the 200 that made it selected in the film, and then we're in the in the five for that. So that's that feels good. That yeah, of course, it has flaws. Of course, we had budget issues. Of course, it's not my magnum opus, but it's a huge accomplishment that I'm super proud of. Dan is super proud of it. Everyone involved in it is super proud of it. And, uh, and I, I, can, I can now 
put my head up high and call myself a, a writer director, but that doesn't mean that I get cocky. That just means that, like you said, I am no longer a novice. I, I've, I've accomplished this thing and it was a hard accomplishment. I, I equate it. I always equated it to like simultaneously doing a Rubik's cube on set and, and writing, uh, you know, like a score because your mind is going in, And all the tiny things that you know, location, the the art department, the costume is this right? Blah blah blah. There's like a million things: the continuity, the camera angle. But the most important thing is the shot. You know, the shot selection is this going to work? Um, because that's really what's going to play back to the audience, and that is like a constant thing. And then and then what I would do: we would shoot the footage. I would watch it all that night to make sure that we weren't missing anything. Then I would do the shot list, send it to the crew at two in the morning. Then we'd wake up at seven in the morning. I'd sit with the DP. We'd start talking about the day again. And that went on. I think we shot it enough to have, I want to say we shot it in 24 days, um, which is a lot for an indie. I mean, I've shot indies in 12 days. To give an example, Duel, the movie by Steven Spielberg, was shot in 12 days with four days pickups later. But still, that's to give you an example. So I was very lucky that everyone lived in the castle. I had the community there. The French community were giving me um, extras, and I got equipment from Europe from my good friends from in, in London. And I, like I said, the film gods all kind of converged together. But, but believe me, that is, that is a rare occurrence, and, and I was super lucky to have that, which is why I feel it was meant to be, you know, call it what you want, call it fate or <laughs> cosmic, whatever. But I, I just feel that... It, there was a lot of right time, right place that happened on that film on on the incantation, and uh, it continues to be that way. Now, with Sam, uh, did she improv anything, or was everything in the script? Because she let loose of some really funny lines that just yeah. like, they just came out of her so naturally. Like the yeah. the, the moment when she said "Vicar, please," uh, yeah. it, it was the vicar. I just yeah. I laughed, and again, I wrote to Matt. I'm like. She just said Vicar Please, and I think I'm in love with her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, she's great. Um, I would say that line in particular, I wrote that. But uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, there's a scene that Sam rewrote, which was a great part of the process, too. There's a, there's a scene where uh, it's not really a plot spoiler, so we can discuss it, where she's in the uh, – they, they go back to the uh, witch's hut the day after she's seen the ethereal, ethereal crone. Um, and she finds the the Sorteglia book, and and she has this really heart to heart with JP, who's the French guy, the French love interest guy. And she says, you know, I feel deja vu at this place. I feel at home. Um, there's something crazy about her, I, even though I've never been here. Blah blah blah. And then she says, I don't even fucking like pink and all that. So that that scene was originally written a little different, but Sam, you know, she couldn't sleep about it, and like, and she was really worried that I was going to be insulted because i was also the writer um and she came to me kind of nervous and she said do you mind if i try to retool this scene and i was like of course not sam do, do you you are the character so you tell me what you think so she comes back and she had changed a bunch of the stuff there and i was like sam this is brilliant like this is great because i am a 46 year old man i'm not a 25 year old woman you know like you you are you are that character so you should never feel guilty about giving your two cents about this. And this, and this role is also going to be a, a, um, 
a real peer, et cetera. And she killed it. And I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie now. She really brings her heart into that scene. Um, I told her to eventually put that on her reel, too. She's put some of her stuff uh, from the incantation on the reel. But I think that one was great. And that was that's that's at least 50 percent. Sam, that scene is really great. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've written comics and stuff and collaboration is a big part of what I love about storytelling. And, and Matt is a drummer in a, a pretty popular band. And Sweet. I know the collaboration as songwriters and stuff is all very important. We're so... fucking terrible. Don't listen to what Corey says. <laughs> <laughs> right. Popular to me, nice. uh, Thanks, buddy. but <laughs> but still, it I I I completely agree with you. Is that you have to have that room, and and while a certain amount of ego is important to to be a creator, just to have enough faith in yourself to be able to make something or tell a story, or or play music you don't want your ego to get so big that you don't let other people improve what you're doing. And you have to be right. both realistic and say, okay, yes, that might work, but we have to kind of fix some of your ideas with it. Or, you know, even sometimes be able to say no, but honestly, when someone's bringing you something that they really believe in, you know, taking that first step of saying, yeah, let me think about that. Let me, let me kind of, go over it in my head and see where you're coming from and maybe we can make this better. Yeah. And, 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 and to follow up on that, I'm a firm believer in like, especially on a, a feature to be a singular vision as what the overall scape scope is, but, but definitely there it's all about collaboration every little thing down to, down to the music, down to the score, down to the each song, down to the color correction. I mean, like every little thing, people uh, give you advice. That doesn't mean you have to take it, but it, but you'd be stupid not to listen to it. You know, you'd be an idiot to say this person feels passionate about it. They're professional. is more than two. You know, so you you definitely have to hear it out. That doesn't mean you have to use everything they say. It doesn't have to be vote by committee, but but definitely collaboration is key to our industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you've done so many different things in film, it makes sense that you would have a respect for, you know, everybody who's involved, everybody brings something to it. And so everybody's value is that much more amplified because you understand where they're coming from. hundred percent. Absolutely. And I, I think it makes you a better director by allowing the characters and the people that you work with to put forth input instead of just being like, nope, this is the way I wrote it. This is the way we're going to do it, and this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, and and you'll hear some of the some of the best directors and some of some of the craziest stories, even on the biggest films like Star Wars and et cetera, are moments that happen on set. You know, they're they're the the the, the Indians. I did a lot of Indian films, for example. Um, they take it to the other extreme where they don't even have a script a lot of times, and it's all. Um, improv on the day it's they have a rough outline um so that's the other extreme but 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 actually considered somewhat of a road map but but the magic that happens between all the collaboration on set is definitely a great thing that you you should not ignore ever <laughs> and some of the best moments happen there yeah so do you now she was very impressive yes i'll agree with yeah, that yeah she's great did you I, intend I for people to hate her because at first I couldn't stand her, but yeah, I... yeah, that that was a that was a total bait and switch okay. uh, thing. 
several things in the movie. You know, like in the beginning, I wanted it to feel more contemporary <clears throat> because she comes to Paris and she's in a car and blah, blah. And I slowly want her to dissolve away into this fairy tale, gothic fairy tale world where she is a, definitely a fish out of water um, until eventually you see, you know, the plot, the plot tells you otherwise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, I definitely did that on purpose. I wanted it uh, extreme. Do you do you have a this, state for this? Yeah, uh, I think right now we're talking uh, either July thirty first or August thirty first. It's up for a distributor okay. to our distributor. We're we're finishing our deal now, or we should be signed any day now. Actually, we've we've already went back and forth with the distribution, so it's just a matter of uh, them finally agreeing to the last uh, round of notes, and then we're going to sign. Uh, they've told us late July or late August. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll be doing the festival circuit if we get any in any more of those. And um, while we're talking about it, so if anybody is in Los Angeles listening to this, there's still tickets available for the world premiere, which is at the Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival. They can look that up online. Um, the incantation is playing on February 28th at 10 p.m., which is a Wednesday. So the, there's still tickets available. I can't speak for Dean Kane. Uh, as he is a busy dude, but he has expressed some interest in either going to the screening or to the red carpet event. Nice. Um, but he's a busy guy, so he that may not happen, but he has expressed interest. So hopefully we'll see Dean there. And then uh, my producing partner, Dan Campbell, is going to be there. Um, some, of the, some of the cast and crew will also be there. So if you go to that screening, you might have a chance to meet some of them. Um, the festival is up in the air whether they'll do Q&A afterwards because it's all dependent on whatever's happening at the time. So they don't really commit to that, but they say it's a possibility. That's great. And and what is your... Now, you, you've got other stuff that's coming up that you're producing uh, yeah. and, and acting in uh, Saving Zoe is is the one that I see that looks like it's in yeah. post-production. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but do you have another idea as to what your next writing directing is going to be, or does it depend on a friend who has another castle? <laughs> it might. <laughs> well, there's actually um, I I've written seven scripts that are fully pretty fully fleshed out that are all ready to go. Um, so those could be those are kind of in circulation. But but when I'm not directing, I'm producing. <clears throat> so uh, I don't have a lot of time to self promote. I, I've Finally got an agent recently, but but the result of that is I'm too busy working to to do the director thing, which is unfortunate. Which is why I made this shift in my career because I'm, you know, I'm like I got to start looking out for number one finally because I've spent decades making other people's uh, dreams come to life, so I'm finally doing my own. So um, I, I have I have seven different ones of different genres that are always getting pitched around. Um, depending on the success of the incantation, we actually talked about. It's funny that you mentioned that because I actually have a friend who owns the American version of a castle, a giant like uh, mansion in Pennsylvania. And he said, why don't we do Incantation 2 and do Lucy's story when she gets back to the States? And I said, well, that's not a bad idea. Let's see. Let's see how, what the success of the film is. Maybe maybe we could get that going, too. So uh, that's among others. I got I got a mafia script and uh, I got a faith based script, which is crazy. Oh. Let me tell you a little bit about that. So, so uh, 
the reason why the incantation has all this crazy occult stuff is, is my backstory is I was in the Catholic seminary since I was a, you know, basically a child, 13 through, you know, freshman in high school through sophomore in college. I was in the Catholic seminary. Little did they know they were grooming me to make uh, crazy Satan worship (laughs) (laughs) devil (laughs) harm movies. Um, But my background and all of that, you know, since then I'm a heathenistic beer drinking Thailand living pagan, but, but (laughs) my, my background and all that, you know, gave me the sort of, I sort of did the flip version of that for the incantation, which you'll see there's a lot of, uh, what, what's called a black mass, which is essentially like a, a holy mass. And in the, in the movie, you'll see there's the Holy Trinity, but they're reversed being yeah. the three, the three characters, the father, son, Holy ghost would be the Holy Trinity. And we're the reverse version of the satanic version of that. Um, but those themes are, are prevalent throughout the film because of my background in Catholicism and stuff. So I just basically took them and flipped them and did some research on occultism and Satan worship and witchcraft and all that kind of thing, which, which oddly enough, there was a lot of uh, witchcraft in that part of France at one time. So um, it's sort of, it's sort of, and I found that out later through research, which was great while I was writing the script, it kind of all plays together. Again, it all fits nicely, but it wasn't originally intended that way. It just kind of, sort of built in, you know, on itself and it, and it worked out great uh, to make the story even more believable because you can go online and research stuff like that. I put, I put a lot of little nuggets in the writing that, you know, talk about uh, St. Bob Purga or Black Mass or, or Lucy, the main character being named after St. Lucille or, or the, you know, I talk about Countess Bathory in the script. I talk about just all these little, little tidbits to get people that they could, check them out online and research them. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that as a kid, I read, I had these uh, encyclopedia sets from uh, Funk and Wagnalls and the dictionaries, and I used to just read through those things all the time. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the stuff that I loved to read about was Greek mythology, and so much of Greek mythology is represented in comic books. Uh, they were always stealing from that stuff. And so... That's that's kind of stuff that permeates my brain so much when it comes to storytelling that even without intending to, I draw from it. Uh, but the same thing when I almost went to seminary, I was kind of courted to to do that. And then uh, the the priest I was working with, they kind of talked me out of it <laughs> because they felt like it wasn't the right path for me. But they were really cool and they were just so supportive about everything that I was considering. And they just seemed like maybe this isn't it's not that you don't have good intentions, but you're not quite what uh, it doesn't seem like your path. Um, which is, which is great because my life definitely went in a different direction from that too. But I, I love that I have that knowledge again to draw from to, you know, yeah. If if it comes to my own writing and stuff, sure. But also to be able to understand when watching someone else's story, to pick up the things that they're they've drawn from too, and that they're utilizing it. And I got a lot of that when I was, when we got to the culmination of the story yeah. in the incantation. And yeah, I, I, I'm also glad that you're mentioning the fact that you're considering a sequel to it, because that is something at the end where I was like, okay, you know, yeah. there's, there's an opening here that we can go on to. Yeah. And I was going to ask, but I didn't want to presume too much. Yeah. And, and, uh, Absolutely. And, you know, just on that note, 
other than his child molesting ways, Roman Polanski is, is a big influence on me, I'd say, you know, and he, there's two films that he did. One was Rosemary's Baby, of course. Uh, the apartment was great. Knife of the Water. But Roman, Rose, Rosemary's Baby and also the one, I can't, I can't remember the name, is something like Fearless Vampires of the Such and Such, whatever. Also, that one, you'll see, you'll see bits and pieces of that in the incantation as well. So, yeah, I, I would love to do a sequel. If, uh, if, uh, if, if this one hits, then definitely uh, that's a possibility. It'd be great. I'd love to play on it a little more. Expand yeah, and it's, it. it's, it's tough when, when your heroes turn out to be <laughs> awful because it's like you still have, have this appreciation for the artwork and, and like, well, these movies affected me and, and I, I love them. Yeah. It, but uh yeah that guy's a dick but yeah I, I totally feel you on that i know and in a double whammy i worked with kevin spacey on uh united states of leland oh yeah was, that one hurt he was the nicest fucking guy i mean he was i used to talk to him like i talk about dean kane and uh and and matthew mcconaughey he was so sweet and now i i can't say that anymore i'm be like well i I don't know the other guy. I know the nice guy. You know, like fuck. right. Yeah. There's the the more public persona, and then there's there's the yeah. the dark underneath. It's which it's, it's people have their demons, and it's yeah, it's it's sad, and I I don't condone, but I I I we're all kind of imperfect, and it's yeah. just some people really kind of let themselves be too imperfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, another thing I wanted to touch on real quick about the incantation was I, I thought it was really important to have um, a strong female character. I've, I've always been a fan, you know, despite this was way before the Me Too movement and, and, and the resurge and um, feminism and all that stuff. I, I've always felt that way. Um, and Sam embodied that great. But I didn't want to do it like, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't necessarily want like Wonder Woman. I don't want this. In, uh, infallible, perfect woman. I want a flawed woman that that people can re- relate to. And Sa- Sam's character, Sa- Sam's character, Sam's character is that flawed, uh, very strong female character. And and, uh, and I love that. I've written. And she pulled it off great because she was. It's hard for an actress, of course. They're they're taught to to you know the ego is the most important thing to them they got to look perfect they got to act perfect they got to do all these things perfectly so they have to they have to learn how to humble themselves and because it's not about them it's about the character the character is flawed the actress is not flawed so i remember at one point um was perfect and she was saying things you know like she it was clear that she spent hours with the coach <laughs> you know saying things perfectly and i was like sam you just got to let it go like we're we're not making a commercial here this is just like you know, the, Lucy's just your everyday girl next door. Just like, it's okay if she stumbles on the words a little bit. And she had a hard time with that because she's perfect. She's a perfect woman, you know, but, um, but that was part of it. It was great. And, but that's the thing too, is when you're talking about a, a strong female character, it's not strong female character. Like they're the strongest person in the room that they are the, the ideal or whatever. They're not Wonder Woman. Although Wonder Woman is a fantastic character. It It's, a strong yeah. female character is strong because they feel realistic because you're giving them uh, a realized, a fully realized personality and story. 
and then they do things not just to support the male character uh but they have their own agency they have their own um sense of being and so the empathy is if you feel for them for their flaws and for their failings is is just as important as their successes and the things that they're good at and and i i think yeah. that that's that's a a misconception that a lot of people have is when they hear a strong female character, they're thinking of a Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. or or things like that, which is great. I mean, I love those characters and I love those shows and movies. Yeah, they have their place, but... Right. Yeah, well, we're not saying woman has her place, but we're just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I totally understand what you mean is that she's she's fully realized and her, her way of bringing across that character um, yeah. is fully realized. And that... that I, I completely agree with you. And that that's what I always, I like to see that in stories as well. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's good to, and again, back to your original question of what she meant to be sort of this snotty bitchy. And yes, she was because that's her character arc, you know, like you, you see her superficially in the beginning of like, God, this chick, she, she calls the French people rude. She's just an asshole to everyone. She doesn't want to really be there. And then at the end you're like, Whoa, she, you feel for her, you know. You start to get in depth with the character. I was really nervous when it started that it was going to end up being a real bad time. So <laughs> I'm really happy that you you know what you're doing. <laughs> but when she started talking, I was just like, "Oh boy, this is going to be a very long movie." But then all the selfie stuff and everything pays off in that room. Yeah. Uh, when when she's saying that she this is a persona that she's had to kind of invent because she feels like this is what people want from her and it's not yeah. who she actually is. And that's I so feel true. like that's, that's a very big statement about uh, especially people who have an online following that are, are trying to make it big as uh, as a model or as a personality on Snapchat or on Instagram and all these things where it's like yeah. you, you get followers and you want to please the followers. You can get more followers but yeah. do you lose a part of yourself at the same time because you have yeah. to present to them what you think they want as opposed to who you actually are? And and Matt and I, I think I've talked about this before where we're very realistic with who we are on this show, but there is certainly a different me that shows up at work on Mondays yeah. uh, because I can't quite be this, uh, this loud and boisterous. I'm close. Um, I don't feel like... People are gonna not recognize me from one to the other, but yeah. there's there's levels, and it's yeah, that, that so kind true. of shifting level that makes it like so I can deal with people at a at a different situation um, without making them always question like, is Corey really fucked up? Like, are are we are we gonna <laughs> find bodies in his freezer? Possibly. You're, you're gonna have to dig past a lot of egos, but maybe. <laughs> nice. The rotting flesh really helps flavor the frozen waffles. That's true. It's just like I mean, smoking a meat. Of grandma. It all comes back around. <laughs> yeah. Corey has a nice recipe for grandma maple maple grandma syrup. Mm. A little yeah. grainy, a little grainy, but it still gets the point. How do you think Mrs. Granny, granny. Dash, how do you think Mrs. Dash got started? Oh my God, <laughs> I can't handle. You're ruining my day. <laughs> Tony, Aunt Jemima and Mrs. Butterworths. It, it's just it's painting your own breakfast menu. Well, the five 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 and the Mrs. Dash and <laughs> yeah, oh, man. 
Hey, I got a little. I got a. I took a swig of my beer. I got a little anecdote uh, regarding the film. Remember, you know, the film gods is what I like to say all the time. Uh, so we were looking for a bar in France, right? So we got to France, and uh, some of the local fixtures kind of read the script, and they were like, "You'll never fucking make this movie. It's impossible. You can't find." Because I had the DS2s, which are the classic cars in there car i needed an irish bar and they kept saying why do you have an irish bar in france and i was like irish bar is universal irish pub they're, they're around the world you could go anywhere in the world in, in bangkok and find an irish pub there's got to be one they're like you'll never fucking find one so all of those things i eventually found all of those things but particularly when i was scouting for the irish pub i went to this little town and there was one irish pub you know in like a hundred mile radius so i walk in and at first, I'm just sussing it out because I don't want to come out with, hey, can I film here right away? Because they'll be like, well, get the fuck out, right? So so we're sitting there, Dan and I, um, we're just chatting them up in broken English. And there's this smoking hot um, cocktail waitress bar- bartender there. And she says, she says, you guys, and we said, fuck yeah, we want a beer. Of course we want a beer. And she says, what do you want? And we're like, we're not from France. We don't know even what you would have. Just give us something local. So... Shit you not, she pours us a Bella Rose beer. Now, my character in, this, in the story is Lucy wow. fucking, fucking Bella Rose. And we just look at each other like, what the fuck just happened, right? So she poured us Bella Rose beer. And, and just like in the character in the movie, we pick it up. And we're like, this can't be fucking real because that's beautiful rose. The whole rose theme that we talked about earlier. It was a real fucking beer. The one Irish fucking pub, and it's not a popular beer, so it's not like it's in every bar. It was in this fucking bar, right? So we drink it. Rose beer, we say, hey, would you guys do some product placement? They said, fuck you out. So they sent us free beer. They sent us posters for the movie. Ended up in the movie. There you go. Boom. Talk about planets aligning. That that little anecdote really fucking happened, and it was unbelievable. And you just turned Matt into a, a filmmaker because all he wants is to be sponsored by a beer company. Yeah. <laughs> I have about 90 Unfortunately, the sponsors that he has for his drinking is completely opposite of that. I have to call him when I'm thirsty. It's just a fucking mess. So they just they get a phone call every day, and I never listen to him. Nice. <laughs> so I, I assumed that the Bella Rose beer that appears in the movie was made for the movie. I did not Call know that. Call up loud beer. Did not know that was a real thing. Call up loud beer. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to have to give Lau, my beer loud a call. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. I drink on the internet <laughs> once a week. You should probably just give me free beer. Yeah. What's the problem with that? It sounds great. I'm fucked up. We've had a guy who owns a brewery on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I should just tell him. Still give you well, they haven't officially opened. It's down. It's actually in Austin that they're uh, opening. I believe oh. next month. Right. So, <laughs> which is where we got Circle and beat down. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, the company I work for has an office there too. So I'm trying to get down there so I can visit the brewery. Maybe the the shoot locations for beat down. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm is that lying. guy? Is that guy Harry, Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News? Is he still alive? Is he still around? Is he still relevant? 
who? Uh, I think he's he's another one who's had some problems uh, with uh, the the Me Too movement yeah. and uh, things that he's done. Uh, I've read a couple stories. I don't have a lot of knowledge of it, but it it sounds like there were some issues with uh with. I didn't expect this guy to look like a big walking Q-tip. <laughs> Uh, he was he was the shit for a while at, at one point. Oh, yeah, man. he absolutely was. Uh, if this guy was the shit, then there's hope for all of us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He probably had a beer sponsorship. I can guarantee you that. <sighs> yeah, but at at I mean, at what cost? Because he looks kind of he looks like a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he is if what uh, these allegations are true. See. <laughs> oh yeah. Called it. I'm damned. <laughs> Sexual harassment. Well, he doesn't look like the type that could actually like get a girl on his own, so he has to sexually harass them. Right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I'm not gonna base it off of his his looks, man. I'm not pretty. Oh, but... fuck. <laughs> Neither am I. But I just I literally judge everything. It's pretty bad. Yeah. But <laughs> once again, we're off topic. Nice. It's it's a it's a curse. It's a curse. Yeah. Um. So what do you, what do you, you have, did we talk about what you're doing next? I'm kind of, I'm like half drunk and really fucking tired. So that's perfect. I'm, I'm, you'll sleep good. I, I hope so. My wife flies out at 6 a.m., which means what? I will be awake at four. Yeah. She, uh, she's got to travel for work. So she's going out to Oklahoma. So I'll be awake. Nice. It's going to be a short night. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I'll, what she said. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Hey, oh. I, to your that's what she said not my that was a mess <laughs> Corey sent me the uh, the rate the rate beer page for Bella Rose beer I'm just looking at that yeah I do I love that's crazy. I love Belgian ales so I need to try and get yes. my hands on some of these Jesus yeah. Christ I'm an enabler god damn it oh, fuck cause, cause if you didn't I wouldn't just Corey calm down I, I, know. I have days I know, man. of the I'm week just... that I go to certain liquor stores because I know when their their shipments come in. It's <laughs> you gotta you gotta get the I, new. You know, new. I go crazy for the I go crazy for the pumpkin bears if I'm in the states Me during too. that time. Man, I'll try any of them and all of them. I have um, in my basement. I have a 2016 and a 2017 Kentucky bourbon barrel aged pumpkin beer, and I think they're both like 18 or 19 percent or something insane. Oh, yeah. sounds awesome. There's another one my buddy in Kansas sent me. Perky, perky bourbon. Dude, so, speaking of uh, things I could potentially be doing next and beers and product placement to tie it all together. Just let me know where to meet you. I, uh, <laughs> I, I wrote this script called The Unhallowed Horseman, which is probably the script that I love the most. And, and, and I was offered some big money to sell it and I didn't just because I wanted to retain the rights and blah, blah, blah. But it's essentially another Sleepy Hollow story, but a contemporary version um, that's way different than anything I think that's ever been told of that. And, and uh, I, had, I had two product placement deals for that, which were the Headless Horseman beer. They were Michigan beer mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. One went out of business. One's still in business. One's the huge one. Uh, I can't remember the name. But uh, they both... They both have either Headless Horseman beers or uh, Ichabod, Ichabod Crane beer. I think it's called Ichabod. The founders, maybe. Founders. Anyways, 
So seems like it wouldn't have a very good head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Corey, that was a really bad dad joke, and it's New Holland Brewing. His uh, Ichabod. New Holland, yeah, that's them. That's them. Yep. So, so I wrote the script, which I really love. I really want to make that movie. That would be the next thing I would do if I if I had a choice. If, if some producer came to me and said, "Hey, we love the incantation. What what's your next horror script?" I'd say, "Let's make the Unhallowed Horseman." Um, but uh, it's crazy because I love Washington. I love classic literature part of my education in the seminary uh, i love washington irving i've always had a soft spot in my heart for that story the the legend of sleepy hollow so i went up to uh i wrote the script um and then i went to sleepy hollow new york which is a real town it used to be called Terrytown, and then they renamed it in honor of uh he's buried there his house wilford truce is there and uh Everything was exactly how I had written it in the script, which was uncanny because I had never been to that place before. Um, so I ended up going to Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, uh, which is where Washington Irving is buried. And I bought a plot there because I thought, fuck, I, I want to end up next to Washington Irving relatively where he got the inspiration to write The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. So if that fucking sleepy headless horseman dude is real, he's right here. It's right there. He can come and haunt me and piss on my grave for all I care. I think that'd be awesome. So I bought a plot there <laughs> as a side note. That's I awesome. That was awesome. That's awesome. You're super duper interesting. I, I really want you to come back on uh, at a later date. We should time this out a little better so that I can get like real uncomfortable yep. drunk. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. So we'll... Uh, We'll we'll definitely figure it out, but uh, we should probably wrap this up so I don't fall asleep cool. sitting here. Um, Sounds great. I feel like a dick. I just I didn't sleep well last night. I, it is what it is. I'm an old man. I know I'm the <laughs> youngest one here, and I just feel like the oldest one here. <laughs> nice. Uh, but you can contact so the show by leaving us a voicemail at eight zero five. 328-3966. You can email us at pod at gncast.com. Uh, you can leave a message on the website. Corey, you were going to say something, and I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, I just said it was all that clean living. That no, <laughs> no, no, no. you feel like... No. <laughs> I, was, I got very, very drunk last night. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook. a drummer in a rock band. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we had friends over. So you, that's, I can get super, super drunk because all I have to do is walk from my basement to my bedroom. <laughs> Um, nice. when I leave my house, I try and like, like I, I have a buddy, uh, who falls asleep in bars and it's like, <laughs> oh, I shit. never, ever want to do that. So <laughs> if, usually if I go out, I don't drink a ton cause I know I got to get myself home. Um, and now living like <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, uh, driving on back roads is with, with a few, a few too many is not something I'm interested in doing. Um, <laughs> right. yeah, but I forgot where the fuck I was. Uh, we're on iTunes. You're on Facebook. Yes. Thank you. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Podcast of Terror. Uh, subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, any of your favorite podcatchers. Leave us feedback, please. <laughs> I'll read it on the, the next show if you put it on there. Uh, people keep leaving like star ratings, but no actual like feedback. Like I'd like to read it because we love you guys. All subscription <laughs> options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe and then you can follow the entire galactic network on uh the facebook under the galactic network um jude where can where can people find everything that you'd like to push 
Uh, well, the incantation is on Facebook. Blue Falcon Productions is on Facebook. Uh, I'm I, I got twenty six thousand fans on Instagram, which ain't shabby. Um, I'm also on Twitter at Judas Walco. So just type in my name on Google, you'll see me. Check out my IMDb. Look at the movies uh, I've done, and uh, you'll all be all good. Easy enough, Corey. Who are you pushing this week? Uh, I'm going to actually push the podcast of the lead actress of the incantation. Sam Valentine has a podcast I found out called One Broke Actress. And it looks like it's relatively new, but she's got some interesting guests and stuff on there. So I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I'm going to give it a try. Uh, I've added it to my uh, listening list. And if anybody wants to know more about Sam uh, before we get the chance to see the the movie that she starred in, uh, give that a listen. That'd be great. I'm going to get really drunk some night and send her a message and be like, hey, you should come on my show. <laughs> mark, yeah, yeah. And, and you were exactly the kind of person she would not leave the country to go film a movie with. <laughs> exactly. So let's <laughs> all be happy that I wasn't on this movie. Otherwise, this would never have happened the way it happened. <sighs> You're such a dick, Corey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Matt the Lifeguard. I don't. Corey and I did not decide what we're talking about next week. Yeah, I, I want to go maybe a little bit lighter, uh, or at least something that's actually available for people to see. That's the problem is a lot of the stuff we've been watching, which is awesome. Uh, but I, which which is great. Yeah, absolutely. But if if maybe we went in a slightly different direction, see, uh, ah, damn it, there's a movie I've really been wanting to rewatch, but it's which is House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, you know what? Let's do it. Okay. Thank that that's God. a light happy comedy with with uh, a love story. I fucking love that movie. That and the Devil's <laughs> Rejects and I've just been meaning to rewatch it, but it's not one that you can just sit down and be like, hmm. I'm gonna watch this and eat some cake. I'm gonna put it on my phone <laughs> and watch it in church. It sounds like a bad idea, but don't let me tell you how to live your life. Or a great idea. I guess it depends on what kind right. of church you've gone to. Those Presbyterians might be cool with it. <laughs> All right, so House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, it will actually be my first time viewing the movie. No way. In its entirety. I've, I've seen scenes of it, and it, it always kind of uh, weirded me out a little bit too much. Dwight I've seen is in it. Devil's Rejects. Uh, Devil's, uh, Rejects is, Devil's Rejects is more intense. Okay. Especially That's when surprising. He, like, especially when he jams the, the pistol in the chick's vagina. Yeah. Nice. Have Which I just call regular Thursday night. <laughs> All right, apologize to your wife for me, please, because it does not sound uh, like something that's enjoyable, but to each their own. Uh, and then when it came out, it was covered with dust. Oh, that's that's what happens when you finger grandma with a pistol. Yep. Oh, man. Well. Yeah, yeah, this is not going to end up anywhere good if we keep talking. Uh, Jude, thank you very much again. Like I said, we'll have you back. Um, a little Great. bit down the road, uh, especially if we know when like the incantations coming out and stuff, or you know what you're doing next, then we can yep. can push that. Perfect. Even if you have nothing to push, we'll just have you back. Yeah, on. if you nice. if you want to come on and and choose a movie for us to do a review together, which is what the show used to be that. about. Yeah, we would love cool. it. Yeah, the the weird. I don't. I hate to use the term unfortunate, but the the reality of recently we've gotten a bunch of really cool interviews, so we haven't been mm-hmm. destroying movies like we have. Like normally, <laughs> we just spoil the shit out of them and, and talk and. Um, 
Nice. So that's what we're going to get back to next week. So if you have a horror movie that you really want to watch, like maybe The Car, which I looked up while we yes. were talking about it before. Um, yes, let's do it. I okay. fucking love The Car. Let's cool. do it. So we'll, we'll plan on that. Um, well, it's February. So sometime in spring, we'll figure it out. If you're not too busy, um, Perfect. we'll do The Car. Bring like a, a six, maybe a 12-pack of beer. Uh, I'll bring Got a it. couple wine bottle sized bottles of beer. Um, <laughs> my shirt might come off. I don't know. It's, It'll be the official drink and drive episode of the podcast. Here. I like it. I know you do. That's why you need help. <laughs> I didn't say I like drinking and driving. I just like the, the term, the drink and drive episode. Awesome. 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 Well, Perfect. Jude, for like the eighth time, thank you. It was a pleasure. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll keep in touch. We'll do this again. So, uh, awesome. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Podcast of Terror. We will talk to you guys next week. Stay scary, everybody. Bye.